this is Sarah, and this is In the Casa with Sarah Benincasa. Um, I am at the Virgin America Loft at LAX. I'm hanging out. We're doing a real quickie episode today, um, this time with my friend TJ Chambers, who is a delight, and he's awesome. Uh, hit me up at sarahbenincasa.com or at Sarah J. Benincasa on Twitter, and enjoy this interview with uh, comedian, boxer, writer, dude, uh, TJ Chambers. Uh, bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Uh, I'm here with TJ Chambers. Ooh, very <laughs> Parisian. Thank you. <laughs> How do you pronounce it? Uh, Chambers. Chambers. Okay, yeah. cool. And um, who is my friend, but in addition to being my friend, is very funny and very smart and very great at things like writing and comedy and boxing. Yeah. Well, only what you don't want to be funny at boxing. No. You want to put the right adjectives with the right job. In there, that you did. So thanks. I'll take. We'll take great with boxing, and then we'll put smart and funny with uh, comedy and the writing. So it's approximately right now. I just want to tell our audience it's twelve eighteen a.m. Um, I have been intermittently awake since for approximately twenty three hours. Sure. Don't ask me. Yeah, I about twenty three yeah. hours, and um, flew to Los Angeles to do this interview. Yes, it's. Uh, I feel a lot of pressure on my shoulders. But uh, and uh, exclusively to do this interview as well as the Los Angeles Times Festival of Books and other things, and so I have been awake for quite a while. I'm in an air. Let's talk about the Airbnb that I'm in. Yeah, are we? Are we? Is this? Are we NPR whispering, or are we? Or are we? We might get murdered because it's scary Airbnb whispering. I don't. I'm just sort of automatically whispering. Okay. Like. So we're, I'm in this Airbnb here that is um, in an, a bunch of bungalows in Echo Park, which is a neighborhood in Los Angeles, California, where Dodger Stadium is. And it's got a lot of hills. And I, I, my impression is that hipsters live in these bungalows. I'm not 100% on that. And I also, I don't know if we're going to die tonight. There, there's, the reasons that we might die are varied yeah. And interesting. Like for instance, you mentioned the hills. Just the slant that this particular bungalow is built upon. Like whatever building code uh there is, mm-hmm. this ain't up to it. Cause like if I put a ball bearing on the floor right now, it would bust a hole through the wall with how fast it would roll and hit the other side of the thing. Like they have the kitchen has special latches so that like the cabinets don't just fly open because we're at, I'm going to, I'm not the best at geometry, but I'm going to say we're at an 89 degree angle right now, approximately 89 degrees. If there is an earthquake while I'm here, I'm going to die. You know, 100%. An earthquake might actually be okay, but because of the angle, I feel like the house would just fall over you and kind of bypass you and you would be fine like it would vault over yeah 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 because it's obviously straining to fall down the hill anyway yeah so i think an earthquake is just a reason for it to continue (laughs) that inexorable momentum and there you are left happy and slumbering and well rested for the los angeles times festival of books (laughs) and not dead yeah ultimately not dead i almost said undead which is a different state of being (laughs) <laughs> not dead is way better than undead. They sound like they would be the same thing, but if AMC's most popular show has taught us anything, it's that they're very, very, they're different. very different. Soup's different. Totes diffs. Mm-hmm. So, TJ, I you know I could attempt to conduct like a, an interview 
doesn't seem like you're gonna. Don't want to. Yeah. Would rather just talk about the situation we're in. Well, first of all, let's tell the the vast um, in the casa with Sarah Ben and Casa audience. Um, you know, first date. How do you describe yourself? Hi, I'm a hot girl from Tinder. Are you on Tinder? I am. I I have been known Hello, to Tinder. I'm a hot girl from Tinder. Uh, we are sitting down. You're being the. You're not being me. I thought you were being me. For no, so you mean, said, "How do you I'm, describe yourself?" And you said, "I'm a hot girl from Tinder." And I was like, <laughs> "Well, that would be disingenuous right off the bat." <laughs> no, no, I'm the hot girl from Tinder. I'm. At, we're at uh, TGI Fridays. Oh yeah, of course. Or Chili's. Yep. Mm-hmm. Take mm-hmm. your pick. Olive Garden, maybe an Outback Steakhouse. Thing is, if we're at any of those places, if we're at TGI Fridays, Chili's, Olive Garden, Outback Steakhouse. I don't need to describe myself because the employees are going to know me so well anyway. Okay. Like I'm such a regular. Right. That uh, she's going to get that she's going to get who I am just uh, seeing how the hostess Candace reacts to me. When Candace you know? calls you Teej. Yeah. And winks at it's you. A, and it's a little weird that Candace works at all four places, but she, give it to, she's hustling. You know give what? It to her. She has four kids yes. and each of those yeah. establishments represents food for one of her children. There you go. It's nice. Yeah. yeah They're yeah. eating a varied... And a diverse a array diet. of shitty food. How so, oh, I so, okay, you're, so you're on a date. You're on a first date with, uh-huh. with a gal. Her name is Caitlin, because of course it is. Okay, cool. And um, she's like, so TJ, like, what do you, what do you do? Yeah. What do you say? Uh, so I'm, I've established that I'm out with a 19-year-old, so that's yeah. all right. Mm-hmm. It's already that scary. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I say, I guess I'd say that I'm a writer primarily. That's where my head goes to first and where my bank account goes to mostly mm-hmm. i guess Sly, humorist i don't know what's a non-shitty way to describe you're a comedian and you work as a writer for various television programs and you also perform stand-up comedy that see so what i do what i do is then i i hand caitlin a phone and i'm like my friend sarah's on the other line <laughs> she's gonna tell you what i do uh yeah it's it's i, I have a weird thing where everything it's. It always seemed like the people who were talking the most about whatever they were doing weren't really doing that. So my tendency is to swerve away from, like, quantifying or describing any of those things because it makes them seem less real. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? The people who are like, I'm a comedian, are like, well, it's great that you self-identify with whatever you want to. That's fine. But seem like the people who seem like they needed to talk about it the most or identify with it the most were the ones who weren't really doing it that seriously well they're spending a lot of time like talking the talk but not necessarily walking the yeah, walk yeah, and doing the, yeah doing the actual work yeah like i remember i was on a i was on, i was i was a guest on a podcast recently oh really about writing and the guy was talking about the process and that kind of thing or whatever and the most interesting thing for me when i started doing it professionally was how it strips away some of the artifice to the level of which like what's your inspiration for writing it's a deadline and a paycheck Mm -hmm. and not to make it that it's not still like romantic and wonderful and creative and fulfilling but I know people who are trying to be writers and I'll hear them say things like oh you know I I got in this real good writing flow so I decided to cancel some plans that I had or whatever and I want to be like yeah that's that's kind of something you do before like later on there's not as much good flows and bad flows, at least for me, because I'm mostly in television and that kind of thing. So it's like, this needs to be done by the end of this week. Make it as good as you can possibly make it, but it needs to be done by the end of this week. So, you know, some of that stuff gets stripped away and you're just like, it's a job that you need to do, you know? Yeah, the sort of romance and exoticism and the whole 
the fairy tale of, of being this like incredible writer who just kind of sits around all day and makes up ideas goes out the window. Yeah, or or hopes that like, you know, the muse comes from whence on high or whatever. Like for me, the muse is uh, an upper middle class British producer who's like, all right, mate, is that script's not coming this week or not? He's <laughs> like, what the fuck? And like that's that. And they're like, okay, I guess I got to do what he said. I guess I got to write some jokes. I guess I got to write some jokes for Nigel. His name's not Nigel, but what are some? What's the primary like genre in which you work? Do you work in scripted? Do you work in unscripted? I know the answer to this question. Yes, you do. But podcast. you're for the people. Yeah. I primarily work in what would be considered unscripted from a television standpoint but which is scripted by me mm-hmm. uh but it's been a lot of uh hidden camera prank kind of things mm-hmm. so there's a lot of writing what well, i call it like you're writing a sketch you're writing like an snl sketch except one person in it doesn't know they're in a sketch that's amazing so you just you pick one character who's going to be the person you're pulling it on and then they don't know and everybody else knows and you write it literally just like it's a sketch that's amazing yeah uh, do, do you does it worry you ever that the person who is isn't in on it is going to be like upset or insulted or scared? It worries me greatly. I'm constantly like, uh, they, I'm always laughed at in the in the business because I've now worked on like five or six hidden camera prank shows, and I'm always the one. Everyone's like, "Oh, what if we rubbed dog shit in someone's face or whatever?" And I'm like, uh, "What if we got someone's family and his family surprised him and told him he was a real nice guy?" <laughs> Hey, how about that prank? You know, like, what have you? And he walks away feeling happy. So, yeah, I don't, I kind of fell into it. And I like, I like that I'm writing jokes. I like that I'm writing a lot of jokes on a high volume. I like that I'm getting paid to write jokes, but I don't like messing with people at all. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you were doing something that was against your personal ethics? Yeah, yeah. There's been times where I was like, I mean, I, I'm not in the field when it happens, so usually I try not to go in the field. They always go, come come on to set, and I'm like, no, I'm, I'm busy eating snacks here in the office or whatever. So when it actually gets pushed out there, I get to pretend like that's just somebody else's fault. But yeah, there's there's certainly been things that they were like, well, let's write this bit, and I'm like, no, that's it's either too mean or, you know, it's too mean or it's shitty or it just doesn't feel good, you know? When are you, like, when have you been really proud of what you've done? Oh, I've had a couple, oh my God, when I've gotten really weird, quirky, funny stuff on TV that fits my sensibility. Like, I just, I was, I, my first job was this show called Betty White's Off Their Rockers. Mm-hmm. And the show was about old people pulling pranks. So it's like we had to have elderly people do them. And they, they weren't supposed to be like angry or confused. It was supposed to be like old people were in charge or whatever. And, and I love I love the moment in TV where you just think of a dumb idea and then it becomes real. So I'd written for some a bit for some lady. I was trying to think of what old ladies do. And I'm like, old ladies go up to people and they go, would you hold the door for an old lady or something like that? So I, I just had a bit where an old lady goes up to a guy and she says, would you hold the door for an old lady? He says, yes. And then she just hands him like a small door <laughs> and then walks away. And the guy's just holding the door and like. I came up with that dumb, dumb idea, and then the next day, a props guy knocked on my door and was like, I built this one-sixth size door for you. Is this good? And I was like, yeah, that's great. Get out there and do it. And then she did it, and the guy, and there's just a guy, like, holding a door, looking around, like, well, I guess I'm holding the door for this old lady now, (laughs) and not knowing what to do next with his life. Like, he's now in charge of this door for the rest of his existence. It's just, like, little stuff like that that I was like, 
I know you have probably signed an NDA, so you can't say, but generally speaking with shows like this, not this specific show, but shows like this, uh-huh. um, when the person is not in on it, when they get pranked afterwards, you have to get like a release, a release right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And are they often like generally open to that? Almost always open to it. Almost always. We have, there's a little, in shows like this, there's two sort of levels of thing. We, and this is kind of sneaky, what we'll do is uh, like, if we're sh- we have a certain amount of camera coverage. Let's say we're shooting on the street. We say between this tree and this tree is where our cameras can cover. So we'll send an intern to staple to each tree a very small font, vague notice. If you pass this area, you might appear on camera right, or whatever. Cable cast language, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that kind of covers us for basic stuff. Obviously, anyone who gets like featured in talks or whatever, we need to get a release. And almost. Uh, there's been, I mean, over most shows, we'll film for eight weeks and we'll get three or four instances of someone that we got a good reaction from and we want to use who refuses. I mean, most people are, especially, they're just so excited to be on television, you know? Yeah, it's thrilling and, and exciting. It, yeah, and unless they reacted real, real shitty, which the thing is, like, the whole point of a prank is putting someone in, it's preying on someone's politeness, usually. Because most people, if something weird happened to you in life, your first reaction is just be like, I don't have time for this. Fuck you and leave. So if anybody actually engaged, it's probably because they were trying to be polite to whoever this person was who's talking to them. So by and large, they come off looking kind of okay mm-hmm. and will sign because they were trying to help out. You know, they were trying to be nice. Yeah, and this other person was just being absurd. Yeah, we had one. We had a celebrity that we accidentally pranked because our old guy didn't recognize her, and she would not sign on the basis of being a public figure. And I kind of wanted to call her people and be like, it would actually be real cool, like, press for her. If she was on this show, she never said it. We never said it. No one, like, you know, promoted it. It just was out there. And then people went, wait, isn't that so-and-so would be a funny thing. But they, they yeah, weren't Yeah, and it also it. might, like, in a case like that, you know, I don't know who it was, of course, but it might. It like, was Lana Del Rey. I don't <laughs> care. Not a th- it was literally Lana Del Rey. So there you go. So they pranked Lana Del Rey. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you know, it might do something really nice for her public image to show her in sort of a sweet, like it's natural. And her particular, because she looked like very natural and was cool. She didn't again. She didn't like react shitty. She just didn't really, you know, want to take part in a thing or whatever. And I'm sure her initial reaction was she has a team of thirty people who control her image or whatever. But yeah, I think if they thought it through, it would be like, it would be kind of nice if there was a human side to your client, you know? Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. But I also understand the feeling that some some folks might feel of like betrayal or the idea that like, oh no, I didn't know, I, I wasn't in on this, it wasn't consensual, even though of course it has to be consensual in the end, you get consent. But um, some people are really, in, really married to whatever their image is not necessarily a celebrity just anyone on the street um if somebody's whole thing is that they're cool and capable and they don't fuck up then if you get them in a situation where they're not cool and not capable and maybe they do fuck up that's going to freak them out a lot yeah even if it's it was just a sweet benevolent kind of way yeah yeah i guess if there's any moment that you don't have the you know the point of the idea of reality TV, which it veered quickly away from, was stripping away the artifice and trying to show people. But you're like, if you don't feel like you have ownership over presenting the artifice that you want to present, which we all do every day. Like I walk out into the world and by and large, I can plan how I want to try to come off to people, even if that's not the way that it works. 
when all of a sudden you're out, you were not in control of the way you come off. I'm sure people bristle at that. Yeah. What image do you think you project to the world? I mean, what what is the image that you deliberately try to put out there? I mean, uh, yeah, I try to be even keeled is kind of the first thing that comes to mind. Is like, that real, though? Are you really even keeled? I, I, a big learning thing for the last few years for me has been that I have more emotion than I ever thought I did or let on. Like, mm-hmm. I always was like, I'm fine, guy. And then it was like learning like, oh, no, there are times where I don't feel that fine. So, yeah, that's like, I I still think I am. I mean, I'm not a voice raiser or a yeller or, you know, a hyperbolic one way or the other about stuff. But, yeah, it's I'm probably less so than I thought I was. Where did the desire to be even keeled come from? Or to be perceived that way? Man, oh, if we're getting, if we're getting really real about it, I wonder if when I was younger... My mom, my parents got divorced and my mom turned into the strongest, you know, most work 60 hours as a nurse, be a single mom, like amazing rock of a person in the world you can hope for. But my years leading up to that, she was, I think even she would admit she was pretty off the handle, whatever. So I think seeing like what I saw as just wildly veering emotions in reaction to stimulus that I didn't really understand why why is this thing setting you off one way or the other probably pushed me the other direction where I was like well I'm going to be the one who doesn't care about every little thing but then I ended up probably taking that so far to I was like I'm going to be the one who doesn't care about every little thing or every medium thing or now even ever any big thing and now I'm letting my life kind of fall apart just because I'm, you know, not being the one who reacts to anything. Did you isolate yourself in a sense from emotional reaction, like as a as a kind of protective thing? Like, I'm just going to, I don't know, I'm thinking about, for some reason it came to mind that, um, that Simon and Garfunkel song where they're like, I have my books and my poetry to protect me. I am a rock. Yeah, yeah. That that's exactly what I mean. I was the kid who read at the dinner table. Like you had to get me to put a book down to put food in my face, and then I would just go to my room. And, yeah, I didn't. No matter how much turmoil was happening around, it was like I don't care. I've, is the new Calvin and Hobbes out? Fine. Oh, Calvin and Hobbes you know, is amazing. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. To be fair to young you. Yeah. Where did I mean? I know you're a boxer. Like when did? Because I think of boxing as something that has got to involve emotion, right? It's so primal. It's just two guys right in each other's face yeah i I think most people would argue i mean fans are historians of it and the fact that it's called the sweet science would argue that what makes it amazing is the clash between like it seems like it would be primal and emotional or whatever but it's a lot more cerebral than you would think and i think that's where that comes in is i think the, the if you were to let your emotions get the better of you I think the people who've been better are the people who didn't let that happen mm. or let it into the degree that it would help them do what they needed to do. But more, it's more of a chess match than you think, I guess. Are you a student of boxing? Yeah. Is, yeah. I, th- I like to think so. I mean, I like to, I, I, you know, I like to go to the fights, I like to watch the fights and I like to analyze why what's working for someone is working for them and why what isn't, isn't. It's a hard sport to be a student of because there's such a history for it. And there's such a history of people who are students of it. Yeah, I don't know. I can't speak eloquently about the third round of a Jack Dempsey fight in 1947 (laughs) the way that a lot of people literally can, you know, but. 
But you are, you're also a participant. You're not just an observer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. When did that become a part of your life? Five or six years ago, I had started it just as kind of an exercise thing. And then I've always been athletic in one way or the other. And I think it was a thing of finding the right sport that fit the overall set. When I was younger, I was a foot, we're real, you know, young and up. I was a football player, but there was parts about that that I liked and didn't like. And then I was a real serious hockey player for a long time and parts about that that I liked and didn't like. And I think boxing ended up being the one the most that was like, this fits my overall skill set and interest level. So, and do you still find it really intriguing? I mean, you've been doing it for a few years now, mm-hmm. so does yeah. it, it's still captivating? Yeah, well, because I'm uh, you're you're I'm climbing up a mountain of more serious levels. So, like, I started doing it, and then I started taking it more seriously. Then I started sparring, and now this, I actually will have a real fight this summer. That's so, so cool. It'll be the when first time, uh, July, the middle of July. The middle of July. Yeah. And where is it? It'll be, there's a casino in the middle of the desert somewhere. It's, <laughs> there's this <laughs> kind of cool. tournament thing called the desert showdown. And it's in uh, one of those Indio, California, come to the Chumash casino or some crap like that. Where you're just like, I don't know where I am. Yeah. I yeah. Haven't, I haven't seen a rest stop for about right. 30 miles. But I know that we definitely owe our native brothers some reparations. Correct. So let's go ahead and I'm going to show up. Let them I'm going to do the thing. Let them do some gambling on their plot of land, and then we'll also have some boxing there, and we'll do it. Yeah. So uh, That's really cool. Are you excited? I'm excited, yeah. Do you yeah. know who you're going to fight yet? No, it'll be... No, I won't find out until a week or two, a couple weeks before. But it'll be... So they're good, obviously. But I mean, weight classes are a pretty serious thing. And then they... Even my level, because it's amateur, like competitive amateur boxing, will even be broken up to some reasonable degree of age and that kind of thing. So like... You know. Will you win money? No. Will no, no. You, I will win a trophy and or a belt. Honor? Uh, yeah, yeah. Honor and clothing. That's right. Really in in cool. as much as a belt or whatever. I always, it always cracks me up that like boxing is the biggest, toughest sport. But for the monetary prize that you win, it's called your purse. Mm-hmm. And if you win a physical trophy of a prize, it's a belt. So you're literally fighting for like <laughs> accessories, <laughs> just some good looking stuff. I love a little that. statement piece, little necklace, whatever, you know. Looks really good. Yeah, yeah. Now, TJ Chambers, mm-hmm. I believe that you are at TJ Chambers LA, correct? On I am. Twitter? I am that. And I think that's where I became your friend, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just like because we were just making jokes with some other friends yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, we got involved in a co joking situation. Mm-hmm. Which is, I, I knew who you were because you're a personality and a person or whatever, <laughs> uh, a personality, a personage, uh-huh, a, a, a personage, human. A human. and but yeah, I think that that that's the fun thing about Twitter is that mm. like it's fun to to sort of uh, backtrack how you ended up. Like there's a few reasons like I can follow someone because they're famous or because I already know them personally. And then there's this fun middle ground where you sort of get thrust into a group with someone and decide like you've written four or five funny tweets in a row i'm gonna go ahead and throw you this follow or whatever exactly yeah and where you're like uh you're a friend of a friend of a friend in real life yeah they're like we've probably like been at parties where some of the same people knew each other maybe we weren't at the same party right but chances are yeah people who know each other yeah i guess online interaction has that in the same way that real life does and you're like oh if i feel like our circles overlap to some degree then that's that's the the best resume, the best thing you can have on your resume for something. Is yeah, like, and it's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how I met Jeffrey J, and that's how I met Mark Agee, and that's how I met yeah. um, 
Brittany Braun, and yeah. that's how I've met like a variety of different people. All good, all good tweety people. All good, good tweeter beaters. Yeah, which is very exciting. Yeah. Um, what, what's your ultimate dream? I mean, your ultimate artistic career dream thing. It's. I mean, I'm on that path now. I like, I like writing, specifically jokes for television. I like working in a writer's room. So I just like to crawl up the pyramid a little bit more to. I guess at this point you consider the apex is basically Daily Show, Saturday Night Live, John Oliver, three or four late night shows, you know. So to get on the staff of one of those would basically be. If you write for the Daily Show or John Oliver or SNL, you can move to New York and we can hang out. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, th- I just realized that, wow, what a subconscious geographic thing that was. Everything that I just listed was, you're like, what are your career goals? I'm like, I want to take the F train. <laughs> I want to, oh, well, I should probably move to New York. Good call. Yeah, well, there's a lot of great boxing in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Church Street Gym is a, a sort of like our East Coast rival for my gym. Oh, that's cool. A pretty serious gym out there, yeah. Um, would you ever consider moving to New York? I, I, I will and have. I The last time, a couple of years ago, I was all ready to kind of do it. And I came out and I was looking at places that I could maybe kind of afford. And it was like Astoria, Queens, mm-hmm. which is a cool neighborhood. Oh, yeah. Very cool now. But too. it's hard to wrap your brain around. Like, it looks like my neighborhood here in East Hollywood. It's not as someone who always, like, has had a romantic vision of New York and loves going there and whatever. Not that you have to be a snob and live on Manhattan. But, like, it's hard to be like, I'm paying this much money and I'm not surrounded by skyscrapers. I don't feel like I'm in New York. Sure. Like a story to me is like I can see New York across the bay, but I'm in you know, yeah, th- just I mean, this town. I, I lived in New York. I think the last time I lived in Manhattan was in 2010, 2011, and I was living in a studio. And this was 2011 prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2011. Living, living in a studio in a full service building, like with you know concierge and everything. Oh. Which was very fancy, and it was the studio. Was Hold on, sorry, your monocle fell out real quick. Just put that back in before you finish the story. Sorry, my one yeah. percent fell out. Uh-huh. Um, so I was staying. I was living in a studio, and that studio was twenty one hundred dollars. Yeah, for a fucking yeah. studio. I don't doubt apartment. it. I don't doubt it. Like it, it had you know, it had a dishwasher, but it had a little dishwasher that was sort of like a a, a drawer. Of yeah, sorts <laughs> like a magic drawer that you put three cups in, exactly. and then they came back and out. It, they were washed. Not, it's not like it had. It, it didn't have an in-unit washer dryer. It didn't have, like, I mean, look. Was it a walk-up or did you have an elevator? No, no, I had no elevator. Oh, get out of so, town. You were rich. It was a really nice, like, ritzy place. Yeah, yeah, But that gives you an example. A studio apartment. I mean, yeah. I don't know. I don't even know if it was, what, 400 square feet, maybe? Yeah. Like, I don't even know. Square footage has never been my, like, I'm I'm location over yeah. size anytime. Well, this was in the financial district in New uh, York, so yeah. it was convenient to a lot of trains. You could get to a lot of stuff easily. I mean, it was great. It was fantastic. It was so fancy. But I, I submit that as an example of how fucking expensive right, New York right. can be. And that's why, I guess, even li- listing the shows that I would like to work for, it's like there are... I would love to go to New York. There are 10 jobs that would take me there. And if I get one of those jobs, then I would go. But I, I wouldn't, I won't show up bright eyed and bushy tailed hoping to make it. Because I, you, yeah, that's how you end up living in New Jersey and taking an hour and a half train ride in all the time mm-hmm. and whatever. Like, or living in Astoria, which I love. I love Astoria. But, yeah. you know, schlepping for an hour on the train. It depends where you are. But like to get to Manhattan, it can be really intense yeah. and take a long ass time. Um, I remember for a time I was living in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn and mm-hmm. going to Bronx, totally. The mighty most deaf. Most deaf. Mm-hmm. And I was going to uh, 
the Bronx to student teach. And then after school, I would go down to Teachers College at Columbia and Morningside Heights in Manhattan to do my night classes. And then I'd go back to Bed-Stuy and it was just nuts. Yeah. Like New York can be as complicated as you can imagine. Yeah, you can eat up a lot of time just getting around for sure. Yeah. (sighs) TJ. Yeah. Important question. Okay. Where can people, individuals who might listen to this podcast, for example, Mm -hmm. find out more about you? Mm -hmm. Well, the uh, aforementioned Twitter, I'm at TJ Chambers LA. Sure. Uh, That's probably the best way. Mm -hmm. I have have a YouTube channel with some stand-up clips and stuff on there. Where can we find that? You can see some of that. I think it's just TJ Chambers. Okay. How does YouTube can, work? Are I you? No. Yeah. One can Google you. Yeah. One one it. can Google me. Here's, enjoy Googling me mm-hmm. and maybe say hello to the religious motivational speaker, uh, T.J. Chambers, who's <gasps> co-opted really? a lot of my, a lot of my stuff. Actually, has gotten. Did I tell you a story? No. Like, the dude. I don't know how. I, oh, I, my last job, I was starting a job for Fox Television. And the producer finally got a hold of me, and she was like, uh, I don't understand. Who have I been going back and forth with on email? She sent to the wrong email. And then I tracked this guy down, and he even copy-pasted it and posted to Facebook. He was like, ha-ha, must be in my lucky day. I just got an offer to write for the TV, for a TV show. Posted the amount of money, the <gasps> name of the producer, oh the name of the show, not announced on uh, in the trades or anything like that yet. And I had to write the guy. His name is TJ Chambers, obviously, whatever, ha-ha. And I had to write him and be like, hey, sorry about the crazy coincidence, but would you mind redacting some of this very sensitive information that you've put out? So, like, I'm sure he's a nice enough guy. but And then he was like, uh, oh, yeah, this happens all the time. I got an offer of you being on a radio show and all sorts of stuff. So now I'm left forever wondering what crap I've missed out on because someone because got the wrong TJ Chambers. TJ Chambers. Yeah. People need to get it together. So, yeah. So if you Google me, find the one with the beard. Is there a website? I don't. I don't really do a website. No, sorry. Okay. All right. Sorry. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's fine. Twitter no. me. Twitter. Uh, tweet. Go to. Uh, is there a sarahbenincasa.com? Is that what it's? Fuck yeah, there is. Is that what it is? Yeah. So get yourself to sarahbenincasa.com. Yeah. Nose around there for a while. Maybe buy some stuff. Maybe buy a copy There's of a book. No, I don't have any merch. Maybe check out Agora Fabulous. Agora Fabulous. Or yeah. Great. Yeah. And then here's what you do. You click through to Twitter. Twitter.com slash Sarah J Benincasa. Mm-hmm. Then mm-hmm. you see who I'm tweeting at, probably at TJ Chambers right. LA. That mm-hmm. leads you right to him. This is my key to success is to hope that so many people are enamored by you mm-hmm. that some of them accidentally trickle down to me. That's also that's my key my, to success. Yeah, yeah, that's my career goal. That's my general plan. Yeah. Um, TJ, thank you so much for being on the program. Yeah, thanks for having me. Will you come back another time? Sometime? I think I will. I think I will. Okay, I want to cool. see how your ramshackle Airbnb goes next time. God, I, do, I hope I don't. I mean, it's, it's real cute, but... I just never really lived in this neighborhood um, on the side of a hill, and I just hope that I don't die. Yeah, so send me this file so that I can get this out. Yeah, please uh, get it out ev- for me. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed what might be the last in the casa. The last transmission of any kind. Yeah, I've had, yeah, I've had the last word. Is there anything you need to get out there real, real quick? I just love my mom and dad and my brother, and I've just really, you know, I, I really am glad that... Um, they exist. I love my boyfriend, John. I love um, my best friends, Alex and Catherine and Gretchen and Rachel. And I just am really glad I've led this good life. You that, know, it's been really an honor. Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't Yeah, I don't know what to say after that. That I got know, really real. I got really real. Yeah, Alex and John and everyone. <laughs> everybody got really real. Um, Tisha Chambers, everybody. Twitter.com slash Tisha Chambers LA. He's delightful. Thank you so much. Thank you.